Are you ready to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book? It's time to write your book. Welcome to the Write Hour, nonfiction tips from the Write Coach. And I'm Joyce Glass, your host. I am so glad you joined me today. Welcome to episode 404 of the Write Hour. This week, I've had the pleasure of interviewing some writing friends. They share their writing journey and the interesting paths it has taken them. This episode, we share about our faith more than on most of my episodes. They are three of the 17 contributors to the book, Dear Wife. These ladies have a heart for helping women to have healthy relationships. Alinda Long, found Faith Beyond Fear because of her heart for those struggling with fear and anxiety. She is a writer, blogger, speaker, encourager, and editor. She contributes to A Wife Like Me and other online ministries. She's a co-author of Stories of Roaring Faith, Volume 3, and Dear Wife. She's completing her first novel this year. Betty Predmore is an author, speaker, blogger, and ministry leader. She has experienced broken home, divorce, abuse, grief, being a single mother, blended families, and adoption. Betty uses the broken places and movement of God in her own life to share God's word in an inspiring way, sprinkled with honesty, humor, and encouragement, and reflecting the love of Jesus to all she meets. Betty has published two devotionals, Pondering Virtue and Whispered Grace, She is honored to be a part of the Wife Like Me contributor team. She also has contributed to other publications such as Southern Faith Magazine, Purposeful Life, and Aspiring Woman Magazine. Misty Phillip is a passionate woman helping others overcome their challenges in life by seeking Jesus, studying the Word, and growing in grace. She is the author of The Struggle is Real, But So is God Bible Study. She hosts By His Grace podcast, and she is a sought-after speaker and blogger at mistyphillip.com. She's also a co-author of Dear Wife and a contributor to the Wife Like Me online ministry. I love hearing how writers achieve their dreams and goals of writing a book. I know you will be inspired and encouraged today even if you aren't married, but love to write. Hi, this is Joyce Glass, and this is episode number 404 with The Right Hour. And this week, I have some special guests that I introduced to you at the beginning, and we're just going to dive right in. So I've got a Linda along with me and Betty Predmore and Misty Phillips. Philip, right? Philip, <laughs> yes. And Everybody puts an S on the end. So. Yes. It was, it's just easier to do that way. But anyway, so I have these beautiful ladies with me and they have written a book together um, with some other collaborators called Dear Wife. And what I would love to hear from each of them first is to tell me a little bit about your journey as a writer. So we're going to start with Alinda and then we'll head to Betty and then Misty. So Alinda, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became a writer. Thanks, Joyce. Um, thanks for having us on, first of all. Um, I- You're welcome. I was a reader from a really young age and I really just enjoyed books and that was a natural 
transition for me just to write stories when I was little. So I was always kind of tinkering around with writing. Um, but I started semi-seriously um, trying my hand at writing, so to speak, when I was in college. I took some creative writing classes, but then I had kids and you know, marriage and kids and kind of put it all down for a while. And a couple of years ago, a book kind of came to me, as we like to say, and I've been tinkering with that for a while. And then I've gotten into blogging and with other groups like A Wife Like Me. So that's where I am right awesome. now. Awesome. So Betty, tell us a little bit about your writing journey. My writing journey began as a child. My dad is a, an author and um, he has, I think, like 12 books published. And so as a child, I was always watching him you know, on one of those old fashioned typewriters pecking away. And, and so I got my first typewriter when I was like eight years old and a little orange typewriter. And I would sit there and just make up crazy little stories and um, do that. And then um, like Alinda says, you know, we get married, we have kids and we kind of put those things on the back burner. And it wasn't until I went into ministry and started blogging some for ministry purposes that, you know, that itch kind of came back. And then um, my dad moved in with me about six years ago. And now he's pecking on a keyboard instead of an old typewriter. And so he one day just told me, you know, you really are needing to do what you know you need to do, you know. And so he helped me. I put together a couple of devotional books and he helped me do those. We, we did um, self-publishing. And um, so now I've got that novel that I'm working on. I think I'm about halfway through it. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed, so he's not here to help me this time. But uh, he taught me the skills I need to to get it done. So it's kind of just been a lifelong thing that I had some had to have somebody kind of nudge me out of of my fear to get me to do it. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to him for that. Yeah, that happens a lot. We get kind of shoved. I finally, with my first book too, I had a business coach, the Diane Ellis I was telling you about, um, dare me essentially, you know, just get it out to the world, send it out by email first and get some response to it. And that got my tail moving because it was like, Ooh, if I do that, then somebody's going to be waiting for it. And I don't want to look stupid and say, Hey, here's my 12 week book. And I only send out five weeks. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was great motivation to finish the book. So there's a tip for anybody who's having trouble finishing their book, just blog it or email it out and you will be motivated because <laughs> you know somebody will be there waiting for you. So Misty, tell us a little bit about your journey. Okay. Well, my journey is completely opposite of both of these ladies. I did not read growing up. I did not write growing up. God has a really funny sense of humor because I read the cliff notes through high school and didn't even read, I think, an entire book until God called me to homeschool my kids. And if you know anything about homeschool moms, and, and I did a classical uh, education with my kids, it's all reading based and um, never wanted to write. And God has done some incredible things in my life. And um, I started journaling a lot as my kids started to leave the nest because um, my mama's heart was breaking and God said, I've given you all these life experiences and now I want you to teach 
um, I want you to share your stories. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that, God. And, um, and so I took the first step. I was like, I asked my husband, I was like, can I go to this thing called She Speaks? I think God's calling me to write and speak. And um, here we are three years later, and I've got two books coming out at the same time. So it's kind of crazy. Well, God does move in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> that is great, Misty. I love it. I love it. Because, well, and like you, I, no, I was always a reader, but I never thought anything about writing until I was an adult. And it kind of, the urge hit me and I was like, hmm, that's an idea and started working on it. And God really, you know, was pull, has pulled me in this direction. So it's been wonderful. So that is so cool to hear, Misty, your story. Um, I love it. it. You know, as the Bible says, God will use those who we least expect. You know, Gideon, his thing was, I'm the least of the least. And, you know, if he can use the least of the least. He can use our little tiny gifts that we have that we can share with him, too. So that's wonderful. Well, all of you have been a collaborator in the book Dear Wife. So first of all, um, Alinda, can you tell me who came up with this idea for Dear Wife and how did you uh, get involved with it? Okay, so... About a year ago, maybe a little bit over a year ago, Amanda Davison started reaching out for contributors for her website that she was launching called A Wife Like Me, which is a nonprofit organization now. And so she started, you know, pulling together women from different ministry backgrounds and kind of creating this community on Facebook and on um, through email and on her website. Um, for wives who wanted to grow in their relationship with God and with their husbands. And from that community, the overwhelming concern of wives and their, their heart's desire was to connect with their husbands. And that's basically the readers are the ones who came up with the idea for Dear Wife. And Amanda has spearheaded it and allowed each of us to contribute to that and, and um, put our voice and our experience and what the Lord calls each of us to, um, to all together. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, one person, it would be a good, good book or a good experience, but God using so many different people from so many different walks of life that it's just, it's really something beautiful. Wonderful. Like a, like a wonderful tapestry. Yes. Well, um, Misty, how many contrib contributors are there to the book? Did you say? Yeah, there are 17 of us. Um, there are 20 something that contribute for the website, but not everybody was able to contribute on the first book. But for the first book, there's 17 of us and there are 16, there are, I'm sorry, there are 17 of us and there are 26 invitations in the Dear Wife book. All right. Well, tell us a little bit, how is it set up? Um, Betty, can you tell me a little bit about the setup of the book? Do you know? I sure can because I love it so much. It is individual invitations, like Misty said, 26 of those. And so it's whatever that contributor wants to share. It's their, it's their message, their message of hope, encouragement. Um, and then my favorite part of it is at the end of each invitation, there's this little wife step, this little call to action you know, okay, you've just read what I had to say. So now let me challenge you to do something. Let me challenge you to 
take action and work on this with your husband in your marriage, in your life. So I like that because it's, it's so much more than just reading what we all have to say, but then we challenge you to take action. We give you that little nudge. And sometimes, you know, we need that little nudge. And I just wanted to also add that what I think is so beautiful about this book, I know what I wrote. And I know how I feel about what I wrote. But for me, even as a part of the team, to get to read what everybody else wrote and to get to have those experiences and, and that knowledge and that wisdom and those nudges for me to take action, it's such a beautiful thing. It's just really amazing. Betty, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I love that you call it invitations in this, instead of necessarily like a devotional or a message or any other term you could put for it. It's an invitation for us as women to come into your world and learn something and then take that and apply it to our own marriage. That's a, a great way to set that up. And, you know, there's no reason to have a, a book that um, you just sit there and read. And if you don't apply any of it, it's not helpful. Misty? Yes, Joyce, it, it is actually an invitation to grow deeper in relationship with Jesus um, because all of the passages are based on Jesus's ministry because we feel that if you grow closer to Jesus, that your life is going to change and your marriage is going to change. So it's even a deeper invitation than that. It's a, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a deeper invitation to grow in intimacy with your father and with your husband. So true. So true. That is, that is my big thing with all of my, um, anything that I write spiritual is your relationship with God is the most important thing. And when you have that foundation, it helps you in every other aspect of your life. And because you, you can see things in a different way and he's there helping you with that and keeping you calm when, you know, inside your flesh wants to scream when your husband does something crazy <laughs> you know, or annoying or, or just plain stupid sometimes, but you know, not that we ever do those things, but <laughs> Uh, well, marriage is hard and we need Jesus. Definitely. I mean, it's just marriage is hard for when we say for better, or for worse, like worse is worse yeah. when sickness and health, like you don't know how sick sick is until someone you love is sick. Right. And so we, we just, we all need Jesus. Right. And there's different forms of sick too. I mean, there's physical sickness, there's mental sickness, there's emotional, there's all kinds of forms that we have to deal with in our families and so it's important, like you said, to have that power from him and that love from him to sustain us because I personally could not sustain myself in this marriage. I probably would have left a long time ago or been a crazy woman, <laughs> crazier than I am, uh, you know, if I had not leaned on Christ and my relationship grown with him. So that's where I get that from is that relationship is what has sustained me and something that I have shared with my son and his new wife. Um, he was married last September. And so, you know, I shared with both of them on multiple occasions that, you know, your relationship with God and being involved in community at church is important for a healthy marriage. And so Absolutely. it's not just about being together and, Ooh, I love you. You know, <laughs> cause that lasts what about a month or two. <laughs> so maybe six months for some people. 
All right. So how do you hope Dear Wife will help women and marriages in general? We've kind of touched on it, but um, Alinda, you want to start with that? And I'll give each of you, a, you give me your take on that question. How do you hope Dear Wife will help women and marriages in general? My prayer for each woman who opens up Dear Wife is that she learn how loved she is by Christ, that she has a heavenly father who loves her more than any earthly husband could ever love her. And that if she can just keep her focus as him, keep him as the focus of the center of her life, then all the other parts of her life will fall into place, especially her marriage. And so I really, that is such a huge prayer of mine for everybody I know. And it's been such a life changing event in my own marriage. And I see how God has taken and created beauty from ashes in a relationship in my own marriage, just several years ago, that seemed like it was, there was no hope for it. And, but, but God, mm -hmm. right. And so he can do anything. And I think, and then the other thing is that for my, my hope is for them to as what we say in, in my, in our church, at our home church is we say, draw the circle around yourself and work on what's inside. And if we can focus on what we individually can do that will further our relationship with Christ, but also to encourage our relationship with our husband, instead of thinking, Oh, he doesn't do this or he does that, or I wish he did this, or I wish he didn't do that. But if we can just really hone in on what it is we are able to do, I think that's going to make, all the difference and those tools are in this book wonderful and i love that and i want to make one little i guess it might call it a disclaimer because we've said it a couple times but i want people to know when we say everything falls into place that doesn't mean life is perfect <laughs> it, 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 but it means that we are able to handle whatever comes our way in a much much better manner than if we didn't have christ helping us because um, I think some people get confused, especially you know young Christians, or you know even myself when I was first married. My whole thought process was, well, if I'm a good little wife and I do A and and he does B, then C means everything will be happy and honky dory. Wrong, because <laughs> he never did B, <laughs> so there was never C. <laughs> You know, I, and that was my own immature thinking that because if I do things good, then everything will be good. And, and it's not always the case. You can do everything right and life can still throw curveballs at you and sucker punches in your gut and you, and things, that, you know, health issues that you just never thought you would have to deal with. And so you have to keep going with God and know no matter what happens, he's there with you. And so when we say things fall into place, meaning we are able to handle those things, whatever they are, in a much better way. So, Betty, give me your take on how dear, you hope Dear Wife will help women in marriages. You know, I think I look at something else with this book. I look at women who maybe have suffered through a really bad marriage and maybe you know, um, have divorced and are, are remarried for the second time. And, you know, the baggage that comes with you from that. 
and you you go in and, and you you're either expecting that everything's going to be perfect second time around or you're um, living with you know the traumas of your past either way and I'm looking at the fact that I'm hoping my biggest hope is that the we have women pick up this book and read it that don't know Jesus because this might be a tool that this will be a tool that God is going to use to bring hearts to him through what's being shared in this book. Um, not everybody's, nobody's marriage is perfect and, and some people's marriages are, are just downright horrible. So I'm hoping that this book reaches out and gives them hope, lets them know that um, they're not alone, that Jesus is there walking with them. I've, I've just been in that situation and I know what it's like. And I went into my second marriage after the trauma of my first one thinking, okay, I have Jesus in my life now. Everything is going to be great because now I know how to do this right and now I know not what to avoid and that's just not the case. There's still issues on a daily, weekly basis that I have to, to deal with. And my problem is not letting my past define what happens in my marriage today. And so when I can get um, hope from reading what these other ladies have written and feel like I'm not alone and know that this isn't me having a bad marriage again. This isn't me repeating my same mistakes. This is just marriage, and, and Jesus is here with me, and he's going to walk me through this, and this doesn't mean that I'm a bad wife just because this comes up. Um, I just, I'm hoping that that is a hope and, and that that is something that touches hearts, and I'm really hoping that we get the, this book in the hands of women who don't know Jesus, and we can play just a small part in getting them to a relationship with the Lord. That is what I'm really praying for this book. That's excellent. And I hope that um, that's what happens for a lot of people. You know, I know some young married women that this could be highly beneficial for. So Misty, what is your hope for dear wife for women in their marriages? I know from personal experience, my husband and I have been through every possible difficulty and tragedy that that you could imagine. And the only way that we have gotten through and are still together is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And when I wanted to change my husband, um, I couldn't, no matter how hard I tried, only the Holy Spirit can change um, my husband. And so as I draw closer in connection to the source of life, um, I get abundant life. And so that is my prayer for the women that read these uh, invitations is that um, they will look at their husbands in a different light, that they will draw closer to Jesus. And then as the Holy Spirit changes their hearts, um, then he will work and change their husband's hearts. And I know from personal experience that, um, you know, the harder I tried in the flesh to change my husband, um, the more it blew up in my face. And so when I 
started to be who God wanted me to be, um, that's when miracles happened in my, um, in my own marriage. And so that is what I want for these women. I want them um, to be more intimate with Jesus and then they're going to have better relationships with their husband. That's wonderful, Misty. It's so true that, you know, the, the things that we go through um, can bring us together, tear us apart, but that also there's, there's that, what I call the, you know, the polishing of the diamond, like, you know, you have to have the cuts to see the beauty of the diamond. And sometimes there's got to be cuts in our own hearts and lives for that to happen. And, you know, I've had this epiphany in the past, I don't know, probably six months or so that, you know, marriage also isn't just about me and my husband, our relationship. It's about our relationship with God. And, you know, for me, I feel like that my strong relationship with God has been a positive influence and a help to my husband because there's many things that he's struggled with, you know, emotionally and mentally that, you know, I, I realized, you know, it isn't all about what he does for me or what I do for him. It's about what I'm doing for God. And God wants to use me as a light in his life. And that if when you, when you take that viewpoint of God's using you to help and love on your husband, that's a whole different perspective than, than the, you know, romance movies and the novels of, Oh, he makes me feel so wonderful. And my heart flutters every time I see him, you know, and we have the best sex and whatever, you know, whatever, (laughs) 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 you know, that, that, I guess, epiphany for me that God is using me in that way made a huge difference in how I see and feel about my husband on things that, you know, because think about it. If you see someone and you're walking by and they're crying, most of us are going to stop and see what's wrong and help them if there's something we can do to help them, right? And our husbands do that too, but in different ways. They're not, they may not physically be sitting there crying, but they're crying out in different ways. And we've got to be able to learn and discern ways that they're hurting and ways that we can help them. And I feel God calls men to do that too. You know, that they're supposed to be loving on us and helping us too. And sometimes it goes back and forth. Sometimes I'm helping him. Sometimes he's helping me. So, you know, it's not that the woman's supposed to be the only person to help the marriage, but that's a part of it. And we're supposed to help each other and lift each other up and encourage each other. And when you take that, with what the tools that you're teaching them in this book, I think that makes for a, a healthier and happy marriage. And that's what I feel like the world's missing is we want a healthy marriage, not just a happy marriage. There's a difference. That's right. Different. So the next thing that I have for each of you, because uh, I think all of you have other writing projects besides this, correct? Yes. And so, um, what I would love for each of you to tell me real quickly about your writing time, because this is the fun thing for me and other writers love to hear about that. And this podcast is for writers to learn the business and craft of writing. And it's always fun to hear what other people do 
because sometimes you may pick up on a, a tip or something that helps with your own writing time. So um, let's start with Misty. What is your writing time like? Do you have a consistent time? Do you write daily or what works for you? What doesn't work for you? Tell us about that. Yeah. So mine is probably going to look very different than everybody else's. I have a 20 year old profoundly special needs son and I homeschool my, uh, I'm still homeschooling my 17 year old. So my life is crazy busy. And so I write in the crack time. I write in the fringe hours. I am sometimes up at four o'clock in the morning so that I can write before the kids get up. I write sometimes I'm up late at two o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's an all day Saturday. Sometimes like yesterday I was, um, voice texting into my phone as I was driving because the thoughts came to me and I didn't want to lose them when I'm out exercising. I mean, I just keep everything in notes in my phone. Um, and so writing for me is, is a, it's like, it's all throughout the day. It's wherever the Lord allows me time to fit it in. Um, and sometimes it's, it's just a matter of, you know, he wakes me up and I'm like, okay, God, I'm up. I guess I'll go have my quiet time and then write. So that's kind of what it looks like for me. Okay. And I, I get that because especially with children still at home and a special needs child, you know, your time is not, you just can't say, okay, I'm going to write at this time because it may or may not work. <laughs> no. And I spend a lot of time in the car. So having a voice app on my phone to at least, at least capture my thoughts and then I can go home and clean it up is really right. super helpful. Yes, that is. That's a great idea. Using the phone is excellent. All right, Betty, tell us about your writing time and things that work for you. I'm just laughing because Misty thought she was on, but <laughs> now I don't feel so bad. You know, my dad was funny. He would set aside his two hours every morning and sit there and just type so diligently. And I tried to do that. I tried to schedule like a day a week at my office where I would do nothing but write. I cannot. I am just not disciplined enough. I, I do the same thing as, as Misty. I use my voice recorder in the car when I'm driving. Um, when I'm a passenger, I have a little notebook that I keep in the car and I'll jot down my thoughts. Um, I will be in the bathtub at night with my tablet. <laughs> no joke, because I could get some quiet. Um, late night, uh, one of my favorite places is up in the mountains at our, our trailer. I am able to get out in nature, and for some reason, that is just so good yeah. for me to clear my mind. Yeah. So I'm going to be spending my summer there. So I'm, I'm hoping to get some really good writing done up there this summer. But I would love to say that I have this consistent schedule that I follow and that it works really well for me. But the truth is that I'm on the fly. Oops, excuse me. I'm just on the fly wherever I can get a chance to write something down. And then I, then we, I don't know, Misty, if you do this, but then I have to go back and make sense of what, <laughs> what I noted and what I spoke. I'm, okay. Now what was I thinking? But anyways, that's how I, that's how I do it. Yeah. That's great. Well, Hey, and we all have different ways and we've got a, our different lives and schedules. So, you know, the idea of just sitting down the same time every day and I'm a creative person. I can't do that either. And I have, there's no reason why I can't. I mean, I have uh, free time, so-called free time. I still have projects that I got to work on. But what I'm saying is I don't have children at home. 
you know, any responsibilities or elderly parents to deal with or anything like that. So it's just, it's our personalities. So Linda, tell us about your writing time. Okay. What it's is it like? In some ways similar to Misty and Betty's that I have two youngest children. They're eight and nine at home. I partially homeschool one. My husband works full time and he's in law school four nights a week. My eldest daughter just moved back home with my five-year-old grandson. You can kind of imagine what our family looks like a little bit. It's kind of entertaining. I'm confident. Um, but what I have to do is if I don't have a deadline from an outside source, I create a deadline for myself. And so I'm working on a novel right now. And, and my idea is that the first draft of the novel needs to have about 80,000 words. 80 to 90. So I'm more mathematical about my approach because it's the only way I really force myself to do it. So I can say, okay, I need to have this first draft done by this date. Here's the number of words I need to have. So how many words do I need to write each day? And I just make myself do it. I, I saw a post once it says, or I think it's a quote from a famous writer, but I'm going to lie if I try to tell you who said it. But it says, I only write when I'm inspired, and I'm inspired every morning at 9 o'clock. Um, and so I just, it's not 9 o'clock every day. Sometimes it's 2 in the morning. It's just, you know, but every day I know I have to write X amount of words today. I'm, I'm also an editor, so I want to edit while I'm writing, and that's a whole other issue so I have to tell her to be quiet. My editor girl has to go away. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, even if I'm going to delete 300 of these 500 words or whatever, at some point, I'm still going to get them on the page today. And so I have to make her go eat some chocolate so she can leave me alone and then I can just get the words down. Um, but it's every day. Um, it's every day. And if I don't get a day for some reason, um, then the next day I have to do twice as much. So it's kind of like a internal competition with myself to see that I'm on track because I'm very um, deadline driven. I'm very focused on checklists right. and goals. And so that's very helpful for me. If I'm all willy nilly for myself, I, I'm never going to finish. I'll be 93 trying to write this book still. So <laughs> I won't remember what I was writing. <laughs> I, I can completely relate. And I, I do have to do the self-imposed deadline too. And uh, because I will keep thinking, oh, tomorrow I'll get to it. Tomorrow I'll get to it. Tomorrow I'll get to it. And if I don't have any kind of goal or any kind of, you know, deadline, it'll never happen. So I'm working on a novel too, Alinda, so we can kind of keep encouraging each other. But I'm, my goal is to have a, as good and pretty as I can get draft before yeah. Blue Ridge because I want to pitch it. It's good. So it's a good that, goal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, yes, I'm excited. And I'm, I'm not quite even halfway there, but not far. And it was one of those things. Um, I'm going to a novel retreat this weekend with Stephen James and Robert. I can't say his last name. Um, <laughs> I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I want to go to that. <laughs> Uh, well, it was, it was by the grace of God I got to go because I was like, I skidded in the last person. There was a cancellation and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, I, I realized through getting, I had to have turn in 50 pages for them to critique and getting that prepared helped me go, okay, this is what I need to do for my process because that's what I've been struggling with is my process 
for fiction because fiction is so completely different than nonfiction. Um, there's so many aspects that you got to think about that my, my little brain just goes, <laughs> and so I have to go think of it, you know, okay, just get it out. And then you can go back and add all these things to make it pretty. And, and so I'm really curious to see what they have to say this weekend. So this will be fun. But um, great. Well, I appreciate you ladies telling us that. So now I have one last question for everybody. And I know that um, some of you are more experienced and some of you are newer, but what advice would you, and encouragement would you have for new writers or someone who is struggling to write their book? And Misty, we'll go back to you to start. And you can um, let us know what advice would you like to give to writers? Okay, so I would say write. I know that that is really simple, um, but it's also very profound. If God has put a story in your heart to write, then um, start putting words um, somewhere. Put them in a journal. Put them in a computer. Start gathering notes and um, and just begin the process. So for me the way my writing journey started is God gave me a Bible study to write. And, you know, a lot of people can write very quickly, but for me, writing is a process. And so there were things that God had to teach me, um, but I had to start in order for that journey to begin. And he continued to refine me as I wrote. He continued to refine my writing as I wrote. And so I know it sounds really simple, but writers got to write. <laughs> That is, it's the best practice. And, you know, I tell people all the time, blogging really helped refine my writing because that was consistently writing for an audience. And that's different than if you're just writing notes in a page, you know, for yourself. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, so it, it gives you that practice of performance writing is what I call it. You know, somebody is going to be looking at this. And so your performance needs to be much better than if you're just writing for yourself. Uh, ideas out. So love that. Yeah. I put my kids in speech and debate when they were in high school and because I wanted them to have a reason to write because we homeschooled. And so they were able to write and then give their speeches. And you're absolutely right. We do, we rise to a much higher level if we know someone is looking at, um, at our writing. Definitely. Definitely. I will appreciate that Misty. All right, Betty. If you could let me know what advice or encouragement do you have for writers and anybody that might be struggling with their book that they're just kind of stuck or frustrated? I would say just to be brave. You know, and sometimes I think we feel the Lord nudging us to do something, but we don't have the courage to do it. Maybe we don't have the confidence in ourselves to do it, or we don't want to step out of that box uh, that we're just, you know, quite comfortable in. And so I think just to have the courage to know that if God brought you the calling, he's going to be there with you. And when you get stuck, when you're in it, I've been in stuck places where I really had a desire to write and my brain just would not cooperate with me. And, and that has to just be okay. And that's when, you know, you just, I, well, I would just get with the Lord and say, you know, I don't know what's going on here. I'm feeling a little dry, but I know that you are in control. So when you're ready for me to have some words, you're going to give them to me and not try to force them because the things that come out, I know in my writing, the things that I've tried to force out 
I'm not really happy with. You know, um, when I when I have that feeling in in my heart that God gave me those words, I'm much more satisfied with what's on the paper. And not to be, like you all said, not to be afraid to share what you've written. Because it's easier to write it when it's for our eyes only. But then when you have to post a blog or you have to send it to someone to read for feedback, that's when um, it gets a little more difficult. So to not be afraid to share what you've written and to not be afraid of criticism because it's not negativity. It's, it's to help you do better. And we all need to have those strong people in our lives that will give us constructive criticism on what we're writing, not to bring us down, but to promote us further. And so um, I would just say, be brave. Don't force it. Spend a lot of time with the Lord and he's going to give you um, the words that he wants you to write. Because really, aren't we here to speak um, his words and allow him to speak through us? That's our purpose. So we need to let him speak to us and not try to get ahead of the game. Definitely. And I love that constructive criticism because those are the things that really helped me as a writer. And what was, what's interesting is um, I went back to college when I was 40 and took some writing courses and to get the perspective of other people, it was funny. One guy, he goes, I can tell you're a Christian by the things that you say in your writings. And I'm like, and it, it wasn't a Christian writing, what I said, what it was not a, and it was interesting, like, really? And I started picking up on things and trying to look at things. And that really helped me look at things from somebody else's perspective when having other people look at it. So constructive criticism is an excellent thing. Find someone, whether it's online or offline, to give you that feedback. And like you said, be brave. Don't be afraid of that because that's that refining of your work and making it better. And that's the whole goal is to continue to make it better. And then back to your comment too about, you know, spending time with God, even with my novel, I will pray before I work on it because I want the message that God wants me to share in that novel. Because there's a message that I feel like it's going to come out of that, that's going to speak to people, but not beat them over the head. You know, it's one that's going to come through in the story and not one that's, you know, they're preaching to each other <laughs> in the story. And so I, I love that. Those are great tips there, Betty. Thank you for that. Alinda, tell us your writing um, encouragement that you have for our writers. I agree with what both Misty and Betty said. Um, I would add two things to it. I think it's been ingrained in my, in my mind that good writers read a lot. And so I have so many books all over the place. And I'm one of those people who reads like five books at the same time. So I read one from one book and then go another. And I have a craft book I'm reading and a couple different fiction books that I'm reading. And so the more I get, good writing in front of my eyes, the better I am when I sit down and I'm writing my own words. So I think if you want to be a writer, you need to be a reader. And just what is it that you love to read? And that's, that's what you should read. It may not be what you end up writing, but I think it just, it helps us in that creative process. And the other I'd say is find your community, your writing community. It's so important. Writing in isolation is 
it's isolating. It's I mean, we as writers, it's not fun. And you're writing into a vacuum, basically. And, you know, whether it's Word Weavers or another organization, wherever it is that you can find your people where you can share your work and they can share their work and you learn how to keep your reader in mind because ultimately that's what we're doing, especially for writing fiction. We're not writing to hear how beautiful our words are to ourselves and to our own ears. The goal is to reach the reader and the goal is to each page you're, you're engaging the reader. And so I had a very, very intelligent woman when I very first started putting my work into other people's hands, tell me you've got to keep the reader in mind. Everything you write needs to be something they need. It's not about you. It's about the reader. And I think those are kind of the things that are helping me through this process of finishing up this novel. Definitely. I love that. The reading and the groups are definitely important. Um, I was going to show you, obviously people listening to the podcast can't see this, but these are the books I have sitting here right beside me on my desk (laughs) that I will pick up one of these before I write and read just a little bit, or I keep them in different places around the house. Yeah. (laughs) Love story, Trump structure. If you're working on a novel, Stephen James um, wrote that. So there's his little plug. Um, But I, I read a little bit of these and it helps because it gets the creative juices flowing too, especially Stephen James, because he starts talking about, you know, if you do this and da 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 da, and it, it really gets the juices flowing. So, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, have a book about writing that inspires you to write and, and it'll give you some instruction. And then that gets your mind going in that direction too. So, if you are having a dry patch, like Betty was talking about, that might be a good thing to do is read a book about writing to help you. So I love that. And the group thing is wonderful. Um, I recently joined the ICFW. It's the American Christian Fiction Writers Association. And I have yet to go to a meeting. They had one last night, but I couldn't go because it's two hours from my house. So, <laughs> But anyways, I'm, so that is definitely a thing. And just even being involved in the Blue Ridge group online, is very interesting and fun because it's a very active group. And then I also have my own Facebook group, Write My Book, that I encourage people in there. And so that's another place where you can find encouragement as well. So definitely find a group online or offline that can help you. Betty, did you have something else you wanted to say? No, I just want to just be sure that we let our listeners know about Dear Wife and that. Yes. The ability to go on over to Amazon and pre-order that is there. We are going to be launching that on May 1st, but you can still get on and order your book today and have it ready to be shipped to you. And we are so excited and we want to get this book in the hands of as many wives as possible because I know, I know, I know that God's going to do something really amazing. Wonderful. And thank you. And I'll put the link in the show notes too for people to pre-order. So we can, we can do that. And then obviously if it's after that time, it'll still be the link to order the book. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I appreciate it ladies. And thank you so much for being here and being an encouragement to my listeners and sharing with us the project that you've been working on for the past year and just how wonderful it's going to be to help so many women and marriages and their relationship with God. So thank you for being here today and I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today on the Rhine Hour, nonfiction tips from the Rhine Coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen on your favorite app each week. Leave a review and let others know how they can learn about the craft and business of writing. It's time to write your book.